Hello, my name is Billy, and this is my bride and best friend, Amanda. Uh, we've been married for 28 years. We have three amazing children, Brianna, who's 25, Zoe, who's 21, and Gage, who is 15. That was about two Christmases ago. And I think we have a photo from senior prom. Ah, there we are. <laughs> so the beginning. So we came to re-engage in October of 2016 with a marriage that was coming to an end. I think we both were looking for hope and a glimpse of light in a dark world that we created. <coughs> I was adopted at birth, raised as an only child. Before the age of three, my mom would divorce and remarry. While I spent most of this time with my stepdad, I would get time to spend some with my adoptive father when he had the time to visit. I spent most of my childhood being physically, emotionally, and verbally abused. I was a recipient of heavy hands, feet, and any object within reach to inflict maximum punishment, accompanied with words of hate, distaste, and disappointment. My parents' use of drug and alcohol would usually lead to physical altercations, threats to kill one another, followed by periods of separation. They would eventually make up, and it would begin all over again. I would find some relief when visiting my grandparents during summers. Although they're verbally and physically abusive towards one another, and they mirrored my parents' relationship almost exactly, they were gentle, kind, and loving towards me. On occasion, the fights between the four of them would be so extreme, so violent, it amazes me anyone survived. I remember finding pornography at my grandparents' home when I was around eight years old. And this would be my quick descent into a horrible addiction that would last me more than 30 years. My parents would divorce when I was 12. And my mom spent the next five years in and out of relationship with other men. She would battle deep states of depression, leaving me to grow up in bars and having my grandparents attempt to raise me. I quickly grew up in an adult world where I would push boundaries with girlfriends, seek attention from older women in the bars, I would drink until the doors would close, and I would balance this all while doing school and football. At 15, I could do everything that the adults were doing without any restrictions. At 17, my mom would remarry again. We would move to a new city. I would start a new school. And to find any excuse to stay away from home, I dove into football and weightlifting, filling my days with those things sun up to sundown. My parents divorced when I was three. Around four years old, my dad sexually abused me. I never told anyone. My mom remarried when I was six. We began attending church regularly, and with childlike faith, I accepted Christ as my savior when I was eight years old. My stepdad was abusive, physically, verbally, mentally, and he used the Bible to manipulate. Physical abuse looked like pulling my hair, knocking my chin with his knuckle, jabbing his finger into my chest, shoving, spanking to the point of bruises. This was the way he disciplined. When I was about 13, my stepdad thought I was lying about something. Repeatedly, I insisted that I was telling the truth, yet he didn't believe me. Each time, he would physically discipline me and then give me another chance to confess. Finally, so exhausted, from the pain, I gave in and admitted to what he thought to be true. He shoved me off to the den and yelled at me to pray about it. 
And I did. I prayed that God would take me to heaven now because I didn't want to live anymore. When I look back on my childhood, I always think of myself as the wrong piece to the puzzle. So during school, I was invited to a Rodney Gage event at a local church, which had free pizza. Church and God were never part of my childhood growing up. I, never, I didn't know what to expect. Any excuse to not go home, plus the ad of free pizza, and I was all in. This is where I met Amanda. We quickly became best friends, often spending time on hours on the phone, going to youth group together, and just hanging out. I tried hard to keep it at a distance because my life certainly did not match hers. We were on two different paths, moving at two different speeds, uh, but she was relentless. The more time we spent together, the more I realized she was different, and I wanted her to be a part of my life forever. So we married in 93. I joined the Army. We began life together. And my first affair would come within two years of being married with a coworker. We stopped going to church as a family when my stepdad found out that our pastor was stealing money from the church. I started attending a church on my own with a group of teenage girls from school. I met Billy on my 17th birthday at a church youth event. He was cute, funny, and the life of the party, and a football player. Three months later, we were dating. He proposed during our senior year. Uh, we moved in together after graduation and married in 1993. I just knew that God sent this man to rescue me from a childhood that left me so broken. I view Billy as my savior. Boy, did I set him up to fail. For God's word says, Psalm 62, 1, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Within our first year of marriage, we moved in with my parents to attend college. I discovered that Billy was seeing someone else. I was devastated, and my mother, whose husband had also been unfaithful, was not supportive of us trying to work things out. In the end, we decided to stay together. We did not have god godly counsel or people in our life to walk alongside us through the dis this decision. Like some couples, we decided this was the perfect time to have a baby. Billy worked long hours, sometimes seven days a week. We barely saw each other, and I felt like he wasn't meeting my needs or giving me the attention I felt I deserved. I began a friendly relationship with a guy at work, which led to flirting and then an affair. I told Billy that I didn't love him and that I didn't want to be with him anymore. He called me home to talk, and when I got there, he sat me down on the bed and began flipping through our photo albums. He said to me, look at all of these great memories. You can't possibly want to throw all of this away. And he was right. I had gotten so wrapped up in myself and all I could remember was the bad stuff and none of the good. Again, we didn't have a support system and we didn't seek godly counsel. We stuffed all the hurt deep down inside and went on with our life. Drinking became a daily part of my life. So on the day I met my wife, I also asked Jesus to take up the residency in my heart, but I was not transformed, and for the next 26 years, I would not obey him nor make a sincere effort to live for him. My public profession that day was worthless. In fact, it was counterproductive, and it did more harm than good. I had no right calling myself a follower of Jesus, and I claimed that which I did not practice. I claimed to be what I did not live. 
I was a wolf in sheep's clothing. First John 1.16 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. <clears throat> Here I was thinking that I'd stop all the bad stuff, looking at the pornography, drinking alcohol, pursuing women. I thought somehow I'd unhitch a trailer of trash and leave it slowly to fade in a rearview mirror. All I did was just pack the trailer up and bring it with me. And our marriage was never hostile. There was never any screaming, fighting, or verbal abuse. When together, we seemed more normal than most. <clears throat> My wife's first affair would shock, was a shock, but it just seemed to balance some kind of checkbook for me. In 2001, I found myself in another affair with a coworker. In Proverbs 26:11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit, is a fool who repeats his folly. In 2004, well, I was chasing a professional football dream. I was working at a gym as a personal trainer. This was never a safe environment for me. Knowing that I was on the verge of destroying my life and my families with my behavior, I had lied to Amanda about my work environment so that I could justify quitting and starting my own business. Doing this would allow me to control my environment, control boundaries for myself, and hopefully change the path that I was on. I was thinking I'd turned a corner in my life, but the thoughts of my past played like a broken record in my head. The devil had a hold of me and was constantly reminding me of the destruction that I left behind, that I had not and I could not change. Chained to the regrets, I chased Jack Daniels daily. I occupied my time with pornography. And I had another affair with my wife's coworker. On the outside, our marriage was great. The business was thriving. Our finances was the best life for both. But the foundation was built on quicksand, and it quickly sank beneath our feet. Baby number two came years later, and I'm sorry. Baby number two came four years later, and baby number three six years after that. On a business trip in 2008, I went to a bar with a group of business associates. That night, I was raped by a business associate from another region that I had met earlier that day. Upon return home, I kept my secret. I struggled with the guilt and shame of the rape. I felt it was my fault. It would never have happened had I stayed in that evening. I kept my secret, and my daily alcohol consumption increased. I began reconnecting with old high school crushes on Facebook. This opened the door to my seeking attention, acceptance, and validation from other men and another affair. After Billy discovered the affair, we sought counseling for a short while and decided to relocate to Dallas for a fresh start. However, I secretly continued searching for fulfillment outside of our marriage. We sought counseling again for a couple of months, and I confessed everything. The rape, the sexual sin. We still didn't have a support system con and, continu and continued through life, clinging to each other for salvation. In 2016, I was sexually assaulted by a coworker. He had leverage and seniority in this family-owned business and was the perfect employee in the owner's eyes. The cycle of my sexual sin started all over again. I began to drink heavily, two to three bottles of wine a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and taking high doses of anxiety medications to avoid acknowledging my sin. 
Billy discovered a secret email account on my phone and I knew it was over. In that moment, I saw my future as an alcoholic, drug-addicted divorcee that would be alone for the rest of my life. Over the course of the next week, I confessed everything and told Billy that I was going to check out a biblical 12-step recovery program called Regeneration at Watermark. So in hopes of repairing what was left of our marriage, I sold my business and we moved to Dallas. I guess I was thinking the problems that we had could not possibly follow us 500 miles away. In October of 2016, I would catch my wife in another affair, lost and devastated with the news, and for the first time in our marriage, I was done. Not just done with our marriage, but done with life. I just could not see any way back from any of what was going on. I did rise to the occasion and admit my affairs from 2001 and also with my wife's coworker with the intention to inflict some of the pain that I was feeling. With nothing left, I put all my cards on the table, and I knew we were finished. Wandering around lost and confused and broken, I came to Watermark's 12-step biblical recovery program called Regeneration. On a Monday night, uh, just to monitor my wife, listening to the testimony, the guy on the stage was me. He was talking to me about me. He was filled with so much joy. His story sounded beautiful. And I was thinking, I really want that. A couple of weeks later, I found, we found Reengage. I remember the first night listening to the Wingfield's testimony. I could not relate to anything they were saying. Frustrated and thinking I might be in the wrong place, we moved down front and heard a brief testimony from Susan and Ryan. Raw. I instantly found some of the hope I mentioned earlier, just hearing their story. Quickly, we were placed in the Wingfield's group. <laughs> And I had serious doubts about how we would be accepted. But I found family within our close group, something I had never had growing up. Hearing our story, they did not run away. I also found a mentor during this time who challenged me like a father and continues to do still this day. The circle they talk about drawing around yourself is where my relationship with the Lord and my bride flourished. I knew I could not fix my spouse. Trying only left me tired, hurt, and angry. Now focusing on myself, I've been doing that my entire life, a me-centric kind of life. This time, I just needed to invite the Lord into, with the, into the circle with me, give him the keys to my life. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. In May of 2017, I rededicated my life to Jesus, and this time I found transformation. I am four and a half years sober from alcohol and pornography. Now, re-engage was brutal at times. Arguments about why I rated my marriage a zero. Arguments in the parking lot. Nights I did not want to come. Moments I just wanted to throw the towel in. But with every meeting and every turn of the page, we started to find our way back. Looking back now, I realized I did not have a marriage problem. I didn't have a drinking problem or a pornography problem. I had a Jesus problem. The problem was I had chose to do life without him in it and all these things over him, and that was leading to the death of me and the death of my marriage. Through the regeneration program, I learned that my identity is in Christ and that I was created to have a personal relationship with him and to do his good works. 
I learned that my sins and addictions don't define me, and when Satan tries to use them against me, I meditate on Hebrews 8.12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And I take comfort in Psalm 103.10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. During this time, we also learned about Watermark's re-engage program. On that first night, when asked to rate our marriage on a scale of one to 10, I think I rated our marriage an eight. I had compartmentalized my sin so much that I was disillusioned that my sin and addiction could be connected to my marriage. Through re-engage, God taught me that there is freedom in being known and that God never intended us to go it alone. Today, we communicate better, we seek forgiveness quickly, and when that fear bubbles up from within us, we seek community to pray with us, ask the hard questions, and to lift us up. I was not honest with my marriage rating of a zero. It was closer to a negative 10. Today is an eight, and only an eight, because I know we have so much more work to do to heal and bring oneness in our marriage. I cannot depend on myself. I cry out to God when I need to. I run from evil daily. I put God first in my life. I check myself with God's word. I listen to the Holy Spirit, and I rest in God's love. If you're here tonight, we hope God's story of our life gives you hope. There's no mistake why you're here tonight. God does not make mistakes. You're in a safe place. You're surrounded by brokenness surrounded by hope, surrounded by people who are going to love you through whatever brings you here tonight. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I think what blows my mind is that Christ knew every stupid, foolish thing we would ever do, and he saved us, he called us, and he blessed us anyway. Thanks for letting us share. To God be the glory.